Whenever we do our shadow work and heal our shadow, we're uplifting our family, our society, our nation, and ultimately the world because we are the world. We can't be separate from it. Think of it this way. If instead of a world, we said an Olympic-sized swimming pool and each person is like a court, if you have to take one quart of water out and purify it at a time, ultimately you could purify all the water in the pool regardless of how much it is if you had enough time to do it. So if the world is a swimming full of people and we do our shadow work to purify and clean ourselves of unconscious programming and behaviors that are self-limiting and stopping us from achieving our dreams, then we've actually purified one unit of humanity through our own efforts, and that has a knock-on effect. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. The topic of Paul's solo cast today is creating real health. Today, we live in a world where healthcare is big industry and there are gadgets, pills, props, surgeries, and gimmicks to address every itch, scratch, emotion, or pain afflicting not only people, but also their pets. But is it working? Supposedly, we have the most advanced medical technology in the world and we have more doctors, therapists, trainers, and coaches per capita than ever before. But despite all this, we are turning out to be the sickest, most unfit, and passive people to inhabit the earth. So the question that rises up and demands to be answered is, how do we create real health? This episode will not only teach you what real health is and how to create it for yourself, but in addition, Paul shares a range of helpful resources, gives you an inside look at what Czech professionals learn in their training, and helps you understand the role of the mind in the creation of health or disease. In this special episode, Paul explores the importance of having a dream, goal, or objective as a means of organizing your conscious energy, emotions, and body so they are harmonized with your highest purpose. Why you must qualify your dream, goal, or objective so you are clear with your intention and the whole of your being is oriented toward that aim. He talks about how intention functions in support of your dream and how to set effective goals using smart goal-setting strategies. Paul describes the story gap, which is what happens when you are incongruent with yourself and others and can lead to fatigue, illness, injury, and premature death. He dives into a deeper understanding of the unconscious mind and how it functions, as well as the four survival archetypes and the role they play in your life. He touches upon ancestral trauma and how it influences us and how to investigate your core complaint as part of your healing and manifestation process. You'll learn what shadow healing is, why it is essential for anyone who chooses to manifest their dreams, and how to illuminate your shadow effectively. Paul discusses the great debate on whether or not human beings have free will, and also discusses the two great forces that create the universe and how they apply to creating real health. He recounts the Chinese creation myth of the dragon, and you may be surprised at just how much truth can be packed into a short myth. He describes the importance of understanding the only three choices you have in relation to any person, place, or thing, and shares his tips for making effective choices in the process of creating real health. Paul finishes by sharing his five program design factors that must be consciously addressed by anyone wanting to create their own real health program. 
We hope that you will enjoy applying these tips and the knowledge that Paul shares here to significantly enhance your life and create real health. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today is a solo podcast with me, and I hope you enjoy it. Our topic today is creating real health. With all the complex issues boiling over in the world at once, our loss of freedoms, rights as human beings, as citizens of the world, and propaganda-driven fear of viral threat, and all that has come with it, it's easy to lose our center. The deep truth is that what is culminating now has been brewing under the surface for a very long time. It ultimately boils down to corporations willing to destroy our soils, food supply, water, air, and use our video screen, social media, and governments as a means of pirating our lives, our money, and our freedoms. That said, the truth is that anyone can choose to be healthy and balanced amidst the chaos of the world, but to do so requires getting clear on what being healthy entails and having an honest relationship with yourself, and then, of course, <laughs> doing it. <laughs> In my career, I've worked with a long string of very sick, often depressed people that got lost in the world, waited too long to develop a loving relationship with themselves, and kept going to doctor after doctor even when such approaches had not been working for them for many years. When they finally reached the tipping point and knew that they had to change and try a different approach, they found me. When the student is ready, the master appears. I've had the great joy of supporting people in their healing journeys and watching them become free of prescribed drugs, including their children, healing their diseases, become physically active, mentally clear, happy, productive people. What the journey to wellness depends on, first and foremost, is making healthy choices. Today I feel inspired to share what creating real health is and to give you tips that most anyone can use to prevent health complications, heal, and create sustainable vitality in their lives. In fact, I have personally applied most of all, if not all, of what I share today in my personal life. In fact, I've applied it all. <laughs> I can promise you that. As an athlete, I've pushed myself to the limit very frequently. In my dominant sports, which were boxing, kickboxing, motocross racing, and triathlon, pushing myself to the edge or pushing anyone's self to the edge in those sports often comes with injury. It's not an understatement to say that I have met the pain teacher many times along the life path of my own, but was wise enough to be a good student. Every time I healed myself, I learned things that became gifts to others that suffered from similar challenges. And our choice to heal and grow is always a gift to those around us. So with this introduction, let's look at what it takes to create real health. And my goal is to share tips that anybody can use to heal themselves and support their family in healing themselves. And before I go on from that, I will give you a tip. It's not wise to try to heal anyone in your family. And there's a reason for that. When we're in a family unit, our egos are cultivated in the same milieu. So our brothers and our sisters, for example, weigh and measure themselves against us. Generally, the firstborn son is 
considered the leader and the second born child will try to measure up to them and the third to the second and sometimes the first and so on. So when you're trying to teach people in your family how to get healthy, it often comes across as a directive or some kind of an order or as um, it's often perceived that you're criticizing them instead of really helping them. So my big tip is if you want to help somebody in your family, ask them if they would like your help before you try to help them. If they say they want your help, then that's fantastic. But offer it out of love and not as a dictate. It can be very, very challenging. I experienced this dramatically through the whole pandemic issue and tried to support my family with good science from real scientists and doctors and therapists, but largely got ignored, and it, it's very painful to see your own family members put themselves in harm's way. Um, so it can be anything, and I'm sure most of you already have an understanding of what I mean. Now, creating real health begins in my system and with my teachings with what I call the one love. So today I'm going to walk you through an overview of my one, two, three, four system, which is the approach that I take to helping people heal from anything because the steps I'm going to share with you today cannot be avoided if you really want long-term healing and vitality and well-being. So when I refer to one love, I'm talking about source. Even from a scientific perspective, if we look at what source is, it's pure potential. It's undifferentiated, unpolarized energy. So just to loop back a little bit here, what I'm referring to with my comments about source is I'm talking about where does love come from. And just to avoid getting into a deep discussion of the physiology of love or the mechanics of love, love is the binding force of the universe. Love is what holds every single atom and anything else together. But when we're talking about our one love, we're talking about what is it that inspires us? What is it that moves us? And I will expand on that. And even for my most advanced students, listening to this podcast will probably have new things in it that you haven't heard me say before, because I know a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are students. So I want to let you know that one, certain things you can never review enough. I've, I've been reviewing four doctors and these things every day since you know I, I put these concepts together many years ago, and I just know that you know I keep improving and improving and improving and I think it's important for us all to really you know master the basics uh, because that's the foundation of anything more advanced than the basics so again what I'm talking about is when we're drawing on one love when we're when we're trying to get clear on what our dream is where does that come from? Where does that energy, inspiration, motivation, drive, focus come from? So again, I'm saying it comes from source. 
Some people call the source God. There's many names for it. But again, in science, it's referred to as pure potential, which is undifferentiated, unpolarized energy. Source seen from a religious or a spiritual perspective can be seen as unconditional love. When we have undifferentiated potential or unconditional love, there is no limitation on what we can create with it, nor are there any limitations on who or what it can be um, or what can access it. Meaning, if you want to do evil things, source or pure potential doesn't say no. You can use the battery in your car to start your car, or you can use it to shock the hell out of someone and torture them. The battery will not complain either way. And that's one of the hard things to learn about source that is uh, (laughs) sometimes a hard lesson to learn because people keep anthropomorphizing source. They keep trying to turn God into a human being that has their own morals and ethics, but you can look at the world and see that concept hasn't worked out really very well. To be healthy and achieve our creative potential in life, we have to have the choice of either drawing from source unconsciously and repeating the habit patterns of our genetic ancestors, such as our family, our parents, and both our society and our culture, or to hold a clear vision of our dream, goal, or objective for ourselves and our life. So what I'm saying is you can keep repeating what everybody else is doing, which is usually unconscious behavior, or you can get clear on what it is that you want to do, what you want to create, what you want to make of yourself for yourself, for each other, meaning your your friends, your family, and, and for everybody in the world. And that's the key thing. That's really part of taking responsibility for ourselves. And that has a lot to do with growing up and realizing that if you don't take the reins of your own life, somebody else will, and you probably won't like it. There's an old saying, you can rest assured that if not, if you're not working for your own goals, you are working for your bosses. And that's very true. Now we're talking about the word intention. And this is where the word intention becomes critical to understand at a deeper level. Because if source is undifferentiated potential or unconditional love, it does not produce a flow in energy or information until we polarize it. So the word intention means to put source or unconditional love in tension. If your dog is sitting there and you want it to follow you, you put its leash into tension, which informs it of the direction you'd like to go. Said another way, if we look at the Tai Chi symbol, which is the marriage of the male and female forces of creation, prior to the emergence of complementary opposites, or prior to the emergence of the two fish in the circle, there's just an empty circle, which is very similar to the neutral sign or the neutral polarity symbol in electronics, which is a circle with a diagonal line written through it. Once we're clear with our dream, goal, or objective, we put source into tension. And like the dog, it follows our line of pull, which begins with our mind. It's energizing the potential most effectively when we have our heart in it, thus the love of your dream. And finally, 
the body responds to the mind and the heart like a dog does to the tug on a leash. So once we get clear on what our dream is, we need to have our heart in it because our heart is really what invests the energy. If our heart's not in something, we don't do it very well. Try making love to someone who doesn't have their heart in it and it's really just poor quality sex or masturbation with someone else's body at best. But if your heart's really in it, then you transcend the body itself and you have the potential for deep spiritual experiences or uh, samadhi, experience of complete union with all that is. An interesting observation from research into people with eating disorders and related life challenges is that the researchers found that the number one indicator that children would grow up to have health and life challenges was being raised by parents that had no sense of direction in their life. Naturally, existing in such a state of mind produces chaos on the environment of the children and is adopted by them unconsciously and is perceived by them as how the world will be. And because it is unconscious programming, they act it out unconsciously, becoming living mirrors of their parents and their programming environment. With just a little observational effort, we can see the truth of this all around us. I begin with one love because having a clearly stated dream goal or objective for yourself that you can really buy into from the heart is the only approach I've ever found in my whole life of researching these issues that can overcome the inertia of our family, social, and cultural programming, or the inertia of our own bad habits. I teach my students in Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 2 at the Czech Institute, which is just now available online, by the way, so you can become a professional lifestyle coach without having to travel and save a lot of money, and it's very well done. Um, So anyhow, when teaching my students in the Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 2, I tell them that if they don't have enough inspiration or motivation to accomplish their stated dream goal or objective, or their client doesn't, then it's not a well-qualified dream goal or objective. And, And the scale I use is a 10 scale. And so I ask their client to state what their dream goal or objective is for their healing process or why they're getting help from a coach. And then I say, rate your willingness, your motivation, your inspiration to do this on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not interested, 10 being (laughs) kamikaze pilot, ready to do anything regardless. So if you don't get at least a 7 out of 10, then you have an unqualified dream. As a therapist, I often spend any number of hours working with people to identify the 10 components of a dream which I cover in PPS Success Mastery Lesson 1, How to Find and Live Your Legacy. And I go through that so they can get a clear and conscious idea about what their true wants, feelings, and needs are. And each of these 10 components is very, very critical. So missing one of them leaves a a pretty big hole. It's like a parachute. If it had 10 panels and you lost one, you'd probably break your legs when you hit the ground. If you lost two, you'd be dead. Once these critical issues are in one's awareness, then and only then can they weigh the degree 
of inspiration and motivation for a stated dream, goal, or objective and decide if it is or isn't authentic for them. If it isn't and they attempt it anyhow, successful completion is unlikely and if it is completed out of sheer determination, the stress of doing so often creates more problems than good. So in other words, if you set the goal but your heart's not in it and you just force yourself to do it, usually the stress of participation is more problematic than the gains that you get from forcing yourself to do it. Once we have a well-qualified dream, goal, or objective, then we have a North Star on our compass, and now we have a means to establish healthy values to guide our acceptance of beliefs and our choices, which are the basis of all of our actions. But before we explore the issue of values, I'd like to point out one of the most common mistakes made when establishing a dream, goal, or objective, particularly by younger people, and that is to overshoot. For example, one of the most common dreams I get offered up by students in my class is that they want to be a millionaire. <laughs> I've heard that one thousands of times. My first question for them is, how much did you make last year? And it's usually around $35,000. Then I ask, what's the most you've ever earned in one year? And that answer raises, uh, ranges from 10000 to 250000 There are probably students that have made more than that, but I haven't asked them the question and gotten more than that. I have had students tell me they've made a quarter of a million, which is very impressive. So I inform them, as I share in PPS Success Mastery Lesson 3, The Science of Goal Setting, that research shows clearly that those who set goals that are greater than 50% of their previous year's earning have a drastically lower likelihood of achieving their goal because based on research, such a goal is unrealistic for most people. Now, of course, I'm talking about a financial goal here, but I'm trying to make the point that if you're, for example, if you're a weightlifter and you want to improve your deadlift, and I say, how much do you want to get to in the deadlift this year? And you say 800 pounds. Well, there's only a handful of people in the world that can deadlift 800 pounds, even on drugs. So then I would say, well, what's the best lift you did last year? And if they say, well, 250 pounds, I would tell them that's unrealistic because that's more than 50% of what you did last year. So it's very, very important to realize that. And I encourage people to use the science of goal setting and to know that if they do exceed their goal, which is very inspirational, they can always bump it up and go from there. And if they can make a million following the scientific principles of goal setting, chances are very good that they will know how to meet and exceed their goals each successive year because they've demonstrated that they know how to apply and accomplish goal setting or apply the goals and accomplish them. Hi, everybody. It's Black Friday time again. This year, we're going out of our way to help you reach for your potential, be that your own health and vitality or feeding your inspiration to grow professionally. This Black Friday, we have a special sale prepared for you. 
and we will be exclusively selling Czech e-learning courses. Only Czech e-learning courses, but boy, do we have a lot of great ones for you and even new ones. We're all reaching up to the next rung on the ladder of our personal and professional development, and we're reaching down to help someone out just below us. Whatever your goals, whether it's opening a new practice, finally becoming a full-time Czech professional, or healing challenges like gut issues, back pain, weight gain, fatigue, low sex drive, or a foggy head for good, we've probably got something real to help you. We don't share magic bullets, but we do share real education for real results. The sale starts Thursday, November 26th and goes until Monday, November 29th. If you purchase one e-learning course, you'll receive a 10% discount on that order. If you purchase two, you'll get a 20% discount on your order. And if you purchase three e-learning courses, you'll receive a 30% discount on that order. And that is a great discount with a lot of great knowledge that you can use to improve your life and help others. We look forward to sharing more with you during our Black Friday sale. Go to blackfriday.chekinstitute.com to learn more. That's blackfriday.chekinstitute.com to take advantage of these amazing offers. I look forward to supporting you in ultimate health and vitality and sharing more love with the world. Thank you. Now, in my course, Scientific Goal Setting, PPS Success Mastery Lesson 3, and all the PPS lessons are available to all of you at checkinstitute.com in the e-learning section, or you can go to ppssuccess.com. And those are the 12 lessons I created based on my many years of being a therapist and a coach, based on what I saw were the 12 most common reasons people did not accomplish their objectives or create what they wanted in their life. So in PPS Success Mastery Lesson 3 on goal setting, I talk about SMART goal setting. I use the acronym SMART, which means that one's goals are much more realistically achievable if they are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. You work with an intended time frame for achieving your goals, and that time frame can be broken down right to the day in many instances. For example, one of the most common stressors that leads to ill health is financial stress. Many times in my career, I've sat down with patients and went through their monthly and annual expenses with them and calculated how much money they have to generate as net income for each working day of the week based on how many days of the week they want to work. In every case, this was the first time they were actually conscious of how much money they needed to bring home each day and therefore how much they had left after weighing out their expenses against that number on a daily basis. So you can look at what your expenses are a day, what you need to make a day, and then you can say, okay, I have you know X number of dollars left, and if that gives you the financial flexibility that you need for your lifestyle and that you desire for recreational purposes, and gives you enough to save a little something, you got something. But the most common realization that they have is that they are spending a lot more on a daily basis than they're making, which is exactly what led them to what I call having a root chakra 
safety issues or safety and security issues in their life that ultimately lead them to burnout. Many realize that they're not in a position to generate that kind of money with the lifestyle they've adopted. So then in there, we have to explore, A, if they're doing something they love enough to upskill for and increase their earning potential, or B, if they need to take a career change or consider a career change to something more aligned with their heart, and that will ultimately allow them to create the income they need to maintain or improve the lifestyle that they want to live as an expression of their dream. In many cases, their healing began with the realization that such an exploration offers because for the first time they can consciously comprehend just how it is that they unconsciously created the trap that they're in and know what to do to bring themselves back into harmony. So it, it's often quite a great awakening. I mean, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about your average 20-year-old here. I'm talking about executives and people that run major corporations and sometimes make millions of dollars a year, but they've often just handed that off to others or just aren't conscious of it. And there's an old saying, the more you make, the more you spend. So oftentimes rich people don't have any more liquid cash than people that aren't so rich. It's just a relative experience. In other words, they might make $100,000 a month, but by the time they pay all their expenses, they might only have $1,000 a month that's not bound to a commitment already. And there's many people making you know, a fraction of $100,000 a month that have more than $1,000 to play with every month because they haven't got so many expenses. So once people realize, wow, no wonder I'm so stressed all the time, or wow, I'm not making near enough money compared to what I'm spending, then they can see how it is that they're putting so much stress on themselves and why they're you know, constantly feeling this internal drive to have to go, go, go all the time. Now, the next thing I'd like to talk about is four doctor core values, and we'll get into this a little bit more. And I share a lot about this in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, in the second edition. Um, I updated the first edition to include the essentials of the four doctors and how to create four doctor values because it's so critical. And I developed the system of the four doctors and everything related to it after I wrote the original How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. And it's also in my Four Doctors ebook. But the Four Doctors, Dr. Happy, which is Dr. Happiness, Dr. Movement, Dr. Happiness is taking responsibility for your happiness, Dr. Movement, moving your body enough to keep it healthy and accomplish your objectives, Dr. Diet, eating right for your individual needs, and Dr. Quiet are the absolute essential four categories that we must have clearly stated values to guide our choices for. If these values are not conscious and in the forefront of our mind at all times, then we're likely to wake up three, six, or 12 months later to realize that we're still living the same life, dealing with the same challenges that we always have been or have been for many years and that we haven't grown at all, except by then you're likely to be on more prescription drugs, have had additional surgeries, have a body that's much more toxic, tired, and disabled, and etc. 
Whenever I see this happening with a patient or a client I'm working with, and I've seen many of my own students do this to themselves over the years, I know we have to look at what Ken Wilber refers to as the story gap. So I'll explain how the story gap functions and what it is because it's a really, really common problem in the world. And, and it has been for quite some time, but it's getting more to be more and more of a problem as our family units, our social units, and our um, trust in each other is breaking down, and our care for each other is breaking down, and our care for ourselves is breaking down. The story gap is a term that Ken Wilber, uh, the philosopher Ken Wilber, who is somebody I've studied quite a lot and who's I think is quite a genius, uses to define the gap between the story that you tell yourself and the story you tell other people. So just for clarity, the story gap is the gap between the story you tell yourself on the inside about yourself or your life and the story you tell others on the outside about your life or yourself. For example, if you pretend to be successful and lead people to think that you're more successful, accomplished, or stable than you know you are on the inside, you're energizing a story gap. Each such relationship in which you energize a story gap is like opening another window on your computer, and each one you open, not only do you have to manage what's going on in that story gap window, but it draws more and more energy. And as you know from using computers, the more windows you have open, the faster you run down on your energy and the more programs you have to juggle. And so put in the language of psychology, each window that you have a story gap in is a mask or a persona. So you become like a person who has a mask for mom and dad, a mask for Sally, a mask for Bob, a mask for the school teacher, a mask for your coach, and on it goes. And so this can lead to a lot of internal tension and anxiety because inevitably you're saying things to one person or telling things to one person that you don't want revealed to another person. And God forbid you should drink too much alcohol and let the truth out. Because uh, once that gets out, then uh, it can be socially stressful, as many movie stars and athletes have found out, and musicians. So this is exactly why Ken Wilber says the greater the story gap, the more likely you are to get tired, get sick, get a disease. And ultimately, if the gap is too big or goes on for too long, you're likely to die so you can get some rest from your own show. Now, when it comes to healing the story gap, the name for the type of work that we have to engage to heal our story gap is commonly called shadow work. It's very popular in our modern New Age spirituality circles these days. And it's a good thing if you uh, consider that a culture is essentially a bunch of people doing the same things, and you consider that researchers suggest currently that about 98% of the U.S. population is only two paychecks from bankruptcy, and that we are the sickest population we've ever been on every level, and most countries are not much different than this 
than the U.S. So whenever we do our shadow work and heal our shadow, we're uplifting our family, our society, our nation, and ultimately the world because we are the world. We can't be separate from it. Think of it this way. If instead of a world, we said an Olympic-sized swimming pool and each person is like a court, if you have to take one quart of water out and purify it at a time, ultimately you could purify all the water in the pool regardless of how much it is if you had enough time to do it. So if the world is a swimming pool of people and we do our shadow work to purify and clean ourselves of unconscious programming and behaviors that are self-limiting and stopping us from achieving our dreams, then we've actually purified one unit of humanity through our own efforts, and that has a knock-on effect. So before I get into sharing some tips for doing your own shadow, shadow work, I'd like to suggest my favorite book on the topic, which is Owning Your Own Shadow, Understanding the Dark Side of the Psyche by Robert A. Johnson. And Robert A. Johnson was a very famous union analyst, and all of his books and teachings are excellent. I've read many of his books and absolutely love his work. Unfortunately, he passed away, but he was a real impressive human being. Personally, I feel that before we attempt to heal something, it's wise to understand it, or our attempts to heal it are likely to reflect our ignorance. One of my favorite of the various sources on shadow work I've done is a course by Robert Augustus Masters, which is a, available as a book titled Bringing uh, Your Shadow Out of the Dark, Breaking Free from the Hidden Forces that Drive You, or as an audio CD type program, and that course is titled Knowing Your Shadow, and it's available from SoundsTrue.com. In the audio program, which I did myself, he offers very specific questions to guide your shadow excavation for each section of the work. And you can trust me when I tell you it won't take you long to find your shadow, uh, whether you study Robert A. Johnson or Robert Augustus Masters. This work is very important because the shadow is called the shadow because it's unconscious. Only when we engage shadow work consciously will we, will we ever be able to find the strings that make the puppet of our self dance. So when you have a lot of shadow material, things happen in your life that seem completely out of character, that you don't understand, and it's almost like, you know, the world is conspiring against you. You cannot work with something unconscious until you bring it up into consciousness, and that is the basis of any real healing work. Even chronic health problems, be they orthopedic in nature, chronic fatigue, or any other syndrome, are commonly the products of our shadow creations, and most don't heal, regardless of how many doctors and therapists they see or how many magic supplements or pills they take, because all such attempts are only palliative. Uh, palliative meaning treating the symptoms, they're mitigating symptoms and not addressing root causes. 
So before I get into some of the shadow work suggestions that I'd like to share, just to introduce it to you here, I'd like to share a profound statement by Carl Jung, now world famous as a, you know, he was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and the founder of death psychology. He died, uh, I think, pretty much around the time I was born in 1961. But boy, did he leave a mountain of amazing teachings behind and a whole field of depth psychology behind him. So the profound statement that, that Jung offers is this. Your unconscious always meets you from the outside until you meet it on the inside. That's worth meditating on. Your unconscious always meets you from the outside in the events of your life until you meet it on the inside through honest introspection, meditation, shadow work, or other types of work that help you look into yourself. This is very important. And just so you're really clear, if you don't get clear on what is going on inside of your shadow, then you're going to keep making unconscious choices and you will not realize that your programming is the driving factor behind the behaviors that express them. And then the pain teacher comes to visit you. And I did a whole podcast on the pain teacher. So if you want to learn more about the pain teacher, which is a very good idea, um, I'd recommend that. But the pain teacher often shows up with a pitchfork and has no problem sticking it right into your butt, your organs, any part of you to get your attention. And that part will be exactly related to your beliefs, your behaviors, and your lack of awareness. Only through legitimate spiritual practices such as meditation and self-reflection and real shadow work do we ever really bring the unconscious contents into the conscious where we can work with and transform them into dream affirmative beliefs, choices, and behaviors. So this is meeting your unconscious on the inside. And to the very degree that anyone does this work, their life begins to change. It mirrors who they become each step of the way. It's a real hard thing for a lot of people to accept, and it takes a fair bit of life experience to finally wake up to this reality. But our life really is a living mirror of our beliefs and our behaviors and our choices. So oftentimes we look around other people and say, oh, they're lucky their life's so good. But there's a reason their life is that good. And we look at other people and say, wow, their life is really the shits. Well, often there's a reason that their life is really the shits. Now, certainly there are accidents and and unfortunate circumstances. There's no question. But those things are the exception, not the rule. Most people's lives are exactly what they are because they're unconsciously creating them. And so learning to be aware of what you're doing with your creative powers is a really important step to healing to personal growth, to spiritual growth, and to creating the life that you want to live. Did you know that symbiotica means harmony? And 
You're really likely to enjoy my podcast with Shervin Jaffariah, the founder of Symbiotica. Symbiotica is an amazing company that makes excellent products to aid healing, enhance longevity, and improve performance at all levels of your being, from your spiritual practices to your athletic endeavors. I highly recommend you go to Symbiotica.com and check out their top-notch organically sourced products that include excellent tasting supplements like their Synergy Vitamin B12, which elevates energy naturally, to their Shilajay Minerals, which help you better regulate your hormonal system. Their biocharge-activated coconut charcoal is an excellent detox support and removes toxins and poisons from the body quickly and non-invasively. Their organic longevity formula is one of my friends and students' favorites. They rave about it. I really enjoy their Regenesis Liposomal Glutathione for its amazing antioxidant powers, which is really helpful for anyone that enjoys vaporizing tobacco and herbs like I do. They also have great immune support products, water filtration options for drinking and showering, and some cool clothing and more. When you go to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com and use your Living 4D discount code, which is capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15 on checkout, you get 15% off anything they sell and you won't be disappointed. Enjoy Symbiotica. So next I'd like to talk a little bit about survival archetypes because they're very involved in this healing process. Carolyn Mice teaches us all about the four survival archetypes, which are the victim, the saboteur, the prostitute, and the negative derivations of the child archetype, which could be the orphan child, the wounded child, the eternal child, etc. There's several derivations of the child archetype. But in this case, because they're survival archetypes, it has something to do with a negative orientation to living in the child archetype, which, for example, if you're an adult, um, can be a problem. If you're a teenager still acting like a child, it can be a problem. I offer an exploration of these archetypes in part one of Check Four Quadrant Coaching Mastery Online, which is available through Check Institute. We actually go through my whole system of 12 archetypes there. The first eight are the big eight, which begin with the Imago Dei, image of deity, father, mother, and child, then the four survival archetypes I just mentioned, and then I teach people how to identify what I call the four working archetypes. Now, you could have more than four, but we narrow it down to four so people learn to focus and can be aware because a lot of people have a problem of doing a whole lot all the time and not getting a lot done because they're too divided. These survival archetypes are within all of us and are there to teach us what it feels like to be victimized, what it feels like to sabotage ourselves or others, what it feels like to prostitute ourselves or be prostituted, or to experience the limitations of being a child beyond childhood, Specifically, so we become conscious of what we know we should not do to others. Until we consciously learn the lesson of these archetypes, shadow work can be an endless process of revisiting the same issues over and over. Now, the next influence that often stops us from achieving our dreams, goals, and objectives efficiently and effectively is ancestral trauma and its influences upon us. And Mark Wu Lin's been out for several years now, and, and many people have 
probably heard of him, but I don't think a lot of people really realize how potent ancestral family trauma is and how impotent, excuse me, how potent um, family influences are. In the Chinese culture, they worship their ancestors because they're very aware of family influences on, on themselves. Mark Willen's excellent book, It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How We End the Cycle, gives very clear explanations for and the science to back the fact that we inherit family trauma from multiple generations. His book talks about the heavy influence of three generations, but there's good research out there that I've actually seen showing that these influences can go easily 14 generations, and this is hard research. And it keeps playing itself out through our unconscious or within our shadow until we heal. Once we heal, we can halt the progression of such issues as addiction, violent behavior, phobias, fears, relationship challenges, money problems, and much more. In fact, one of the reasons I really did Mark Wulin's book is because I just seemed to have a problem. No matter how damn much money I made, there never seemed to be enough. And I was even making in the millions and there wasn't enough. So that was one of the things that really made me study that book and all the questionnaires very thoroughly. And I'm going to share some of that work with you here because not only did it really help me and I uh, have overcome those problems, fortunately, but uh, I've seen it work with many of my clients and I've even had clients go work with Mark Wulin personally. And just so you know, I have had Mark Wulin on my podcast, and it's a fantastic interview, and he shares several very profound stories of his work, and they're quite eye-opening. The audio version of the book is also very good. It Didn't Start With You offers several helpful questionnaires to assist both shadow work and ancestral trauma healing. And here are some examples of the essential questions we should be asking ourselves if we really do want to live our dreams and have freedom in our lives. So he has a section which is called Investigating Your Core Complaint. And most of us have a core complaint. Mine used to be, I don't have enough money. I never have enough money. Seems no matter how hard I work, I don't have enough money. <laughs> and so you'd think being a skilled therapist, I would have listened to myself more, but I had to really like go through some hard scrapes with money before I finally said, okay, enough's enough. <laughs> I need to apply my knowledge and skill as a therapist to myself. And I had Mark Wulin's book and I had read it. But when you're a therapist, it's easy to think that you're studying for other people, not for yourself. But uh, after some hard bumps with money, I finally said, okay. And I got the book out and I went through all the questionnaires very carefully and did all the exercises and really worked on my core complaint and my core language. So here are some examples of one of many questionnaires that I just wanted to share with you, hopefully to inspire you to look carefully into these issues because they're really common. If you've got parents or a family, then you probably have them. Um, but also because I know it can help a lot, and it helped me a lot. 
So question number one, he says, focus on the problem that's most pressing in your life right now. It might be an issue with your health, your job, your relationship, any issue that disrupts your sense of safety, peace, security, or well-being. Next, he asks, what is the deepest issue you want to heal? Maybe it's a problem that feels overwhelming to you. Maybe it's a symptom or a feeling you've had all your life, such as feeling anxious or nervous or afraid to share your opinion with others or afraid you're going to be belittled for expressing yourself or afraid to dress the way you want or afraid to um, explore your sexual desires with a lover. It could be a lot of things. People are complicated. Next, he is talking about a core complaint. He says, now look at what you've written. As you read it, don't read it so carefully that you become enthralled with it. Don't get caught up in the words or feelings. Scan it lightly without feeling the emotions. You're looking for words or phrases that stand out as unusual or peculiar. For example, what words or phrases do you always say or perhaps have never said before writing this exercise? And that's an interesting thing. He talks about that, I believe, in the podcast, but I've seen this happen. So somebody will write out their core complaint, but then when I have them read it and look at it, I say, is there anything in there that you say to yourself frequently? And they'll often say, yes. Is there anything in there that you've never said before? And sometimes they say, yeah, you know, I've, I've never said that I was anxious before. I've never thought of myself as an anxious person. So sometimes when you start engaging the unconscious, it throws you a little surprise up there. So next he says, what language seems to jump out at you? What do you want to see shift? Don't edit yourself. Write down what feels important to you. Write it down as it comes to you. For example, you may carry a fear of something terrible happening to you in the future. It doesn't matter what comes out. Just keep writing. So he's literally guiding you here as to how to do the exercise and, and, you know, it might be good to look at where you're at on the time into the podcast right now so you can come back to this section and sit sit down and, and do the exercise because it can be very powerful. And if you like what you learn, get his book. Listen to some of his uh, classes or webinars and things like that. But the the book's thorough. I haven't really... I've only had one or two cases where I had to send somebody to him directly out of the many people I've done this work with, and I know how much it did for me. His next statement, number seven, is, if nothing comes, answer this one question. If the feeling or symptom or condition you have never goes away, what would you be afraid could happen to you? So, if your anxiety or your thought that you'll never have enough money goes doesn't go away what would be you afraid could happen to you well for me it was like i'm gonna work myself to death before i have enough money to relax and enjoy my life and that alone was motivational enough to get me busy on these exercises and you know really do the work so Now, that's just a sample of ancestral trauma and looking for our core complaint. There's many more dimensions to ancestral trauma work, and his book 
has a number of useful questionnaires in it, and the audio book comes with a PDF. So I read the book and I listened to it, and I got the PDF because it already had the questions in it, so I could just print them off. Um, so highly recommend that. There's there's more that I want to share though, because uh, I've done a lot of this work with people, as you can imagine, because you know my goal as a therapist is to help people become completely independent of their need of me or therapists in general. I don't feel like I've done my work if people keep needing me. I want success cases out there. My ego is so big that I want to be able to pride myself in knowing that my therapy is something that teaches people how to take care of themselves, unlike the medical system that's not interested in you caring for yourself. They're very interested in keeping you coming back for drugs and surgery and this and that itch and scratch, and it just keeps the money machine <laughs> printing for them. The next approach I want to talk about with shadow work is something that's uh, quite revealing. And that's the Jungian concept of the two egos, which you don't hear talked about very often. I've read a lot of books on the ego, but only in Jungian psychology have I ever seen them mention the two egos within. So in Jungian psychology, they speak of an outer ego, which is the persona we adopt in any given situation so that we can fit in. And this is what we project outward to others. The inner ego expresses itself as our relationship with ourselves. It shows up in your inner dialogue. It's the one that reprimands you <laughs> and says, why did you do that? Damn, you're a fool. I can't believe you said that. Oh, you screwed up again. So it often acts like an inner parent figure. The inner ego is often different than our outer ego. For example, a friend wants you to meet someone that they tell you is really cool or amazing in some way, and when you meet them, you project your outer ego persona toward them and they toward you, yet on the inside you may hear yourself saying things like, wow, I didn't expect this person to be so overweight, or they don't seem nearly as successful as my friend said they were. What's the big deal? All the while, this inner ego is busily judging away, and your outer ego is smiling and pretending to be nice. <laughs> By the way, this is another form of story gap. So, the difference between the inner and outer ego, the greater the difference is between their language, their beliefs, and their behaviors, the more of a story gap you have, and therefore the more shadow material you have controlling you. So, to put what it means to have these two egos at odds in context, simply imagine what it would be like to try to ride two horses at once. If you're not good at riding one horse, riding two is sure to lead to some kind of a traumatic experience sooner rather than later, and most people's lives are just one bang up to another as far as relationships go. I can tell you that for sure as a therapist. Not that that's unusual. It's part of life. But we are likely to reach a point where we realize we can't just blame all our problems on everybody else because it's just not working. At <laughs> some point, you got to say, okay, that's enough. I got to start looking at my 50% of every one of these relationships I'm in. 
So as we do effective shadow work, we merge these two horses into one and we become an authentic person. The person people meet when they meet us is exactly who we are. And there's deep peace in that, both for you and the other. This way, if you don't enjoy someone or you don't enjoy or they don't enjoy your company, either of you has indications that pursuing the relationship further is unlikely to be fruitful. And you can celebrate your individuality. They can celebrate theirs and just leave it peacefully there. But if you, they, or both of you are riding two ego horses at once, you may meet someone that seems attractive to you, and they may also be attracted to you, or you might be attracted to them or vice versa, and a relationship may emerge. But soon enough, usually when one of you is tired and can't keep your masks energized or organized, either of you gets the shock of meeting someone else standing in their bodysuit. And you can find yourself feeling confused, thinking like thoughts like, I thought I knew this person. I thought I could trust this person. And they may be having the same experience with you. Each time this is, uh, occurs, the level of insecurity in the relationship grows until you don't know why you bother to spend time with each other. And the sad part of this process is, uh, this process is that it's very common amongst lovers and peoples that get married before they've done shadow work. And this is exactly why when I ministered Sarah Gustafson's and Alex Rybczynski's wedding, two of my Czech instructors and friends who asked me to minister them, be their, their, marry them, which I got my Texas state minister's license just to do, I asked them to do something unusual. I asked them to read aloud their shadow vows, vows to each other so that all 75 plus people at the wedding could hear, and they could hear, exactly who was marrying who. <laughs> and it was quite an interesting wedding, I can assure you that. The looks on the faces of people as they read their shadow vows was something you probably have never seen at a wedding before, but I was proud of them. They were very honest. So, the kind of shadow vows that such honesty brings to the table are statements like this. If I don't get enough sexual pleasure from you, I'll give you a chance to make it right, and if you don't, I'll get sex with someone else and let you sit there and watch TV by yourself. <laughs> if you don't do your part of the work to cover our expenses, I'll have a hard time trusting that you are who I thought you were, and I'm likely to tell you that if you don't get your shit together, I may have to go find someone more committed to equality in the relationship with me. So those are examples of shadow vows. And the reason for shadow vows, which I learned from studying Robert A. Johnson's work, and I thought it was absolutely beautiful, is that that way there's no surprises. Sarah says to Alex, if you don't give me this, which I'm marrying you on the agreement that you will, here's how I'm likely to behave. So it's not a surprise for you. You, you know you're marrying this person. And Alex says, if... I don't get enough of this, I'm probably going to behave this way because that's who I am. That's my pattern. That may be my shadow and it may be what I need to heal, but this is who you're marrying right now. And I think marriages would either not happen once people discuss their shadow tendencies or they would last a lot longer because then you would be clear 
of what the work that the relationship's going to bring. And as I tell people all the time, you don't need a church or a religion or a spiritual group to find God. All you need is a committed relationship because you will bring out the parts in each other that you can't see yourself. So I have two wives, so believe me, I get <laughs> I get accelerated shadow work, which means no matter how loving or perfect of a husband I think I am, there's things about me that I can't see. They're in my unconscious. They're in my shadow. So I might justify them, but that's only going to go so far before one of them says something like, quit bullshitting yourself. Or you say that all the time, but do you realize that you actually do this instead of that? And that's why it's important not to get married to someone unless you love them enough to accept their constructive criticism or the very person that can set you free becomes somebody that uh, you play the victim role with or that you reject. And that's how a lot of relationships end. Now, I assume some of you can't imagine getting married like this, reading Shadow Vows with this much hardcore honesty, but um, I bet you can imagine seeing a relationship break down with each par party blaming other for the problems in the relationship. And it may not surprise you that today the average marriage only lasts 2.5 years, and the average marriage uh, person gets married three times in their lifetime. Why? Because it usually takes people two marriages to work through their shadow material and finally get wise enough not to marry someone that hasn't done their shadow work. Otherwise, you just end up being married to someone that sleeps in another bed and by now, the two of you are after uh, after your third on your third marriage are too old and tired to go through another round of shadow bashing. So you just quietly rot together, <laughs> and until death do you part. Um, sound familiar? I'm sure if you're paying attention. Um, hopefully, you're not going holy shit. That's me, but you might be uh, going, "Yep, that's my parents," or "Yep, that's my uncle and my aunt," or dot dot dot. Hi everybody! Do you guys want to know one of my secret weapons that helps me avoid being sick or feeling run down? It's Organifi Immunity. Organifi Immunity is a super high quality certified organic drink mix that provides daily immune support and supports overall immunity. Organifi Immunity contains whole food vitamins C and D, whole food zinc, mushroom beta-glycans, and provides only natural sweetness. Not only will you support your immune system, but you'll also get on-the-go superfoods in a delicious orange blend that is great for you and your kids and everyone will love it. My family and I love it and it's easy as tearing off the top of the package and mixing it with high-quality drinking water and you can rest a little easier knowing that you're enhancing your immune system, which is probably a good idea now that so many people are spending so much time indoors, breathing indoor air, and lacking sun exposure. Why not enjoy a little immune insurance while getting certified organic nutrients, superfoods, and great taste that's quick easy, and effective. To get your Organifi immunity and shop their amazing product line with your Living 4D discount, go to organifi.com and save 20% on any and all of their products using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's check 20 during checkout. Enjoy Organifi.
Our next shadow exploration is judgment of others. Another very simple, effective means of shadow work is to keep a notebook in your pocket, and each time you judge others without being honest and saying it to their face, you write it down. Trust me, it won't take long to fill a notebook. I've done a fair bit of this work too, and it's amazing how much we judge other people and circumstances without realizing we're doing it because we're just so habitually conditioned to to judge. And it's important to remember that as Marshall Rosenberg teaches in nonviolent communication, and, and since I'm on that topic, my favorite nonviolent communication book, because it's real simple and easy to apply and has the basics, is Nonviolent Communication, The Basics as I Know and Use Them by Wayland Myers, Ph.D. And um, he was interview- interviewed by one of my clients and friends, Amy Fournier, on her podcast, Awakening Aphrodite, and she said it was a fantastic interview. I just haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So if you want to hear directly from Wayland Myers, uh, listen to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier, F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R. She's a great host and interviewer, and uh, uh, judging by Wayland Myers' book, he's got the real deal. But the point I'm trying to drive at here is in nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg says all judgments are tragic expressions of unmet needs. And he distinguishes between judgment and observation. A judgment separates you from somebody. It cuts you off from them, and it has the tendency of turning that other person into an object. That way, we need to turn people into objects if we want to be mean to them so we don't have to feel the pain of harming or wounding another human being. But if we observe them, that's different. So for example, if you say, wow, look at that fat pig. I can't believe he doesn't take care of himself. That's a judgment. But if we say, wow, I can see that that person's really overweight and that just must be really uncomfortable for them. And I imagine they've tried and tried and tried all sorts of diets, but just don't realize the difference between legitimate nutritional advice or diet advice in the standard narrative out there. That's an observation. So if there's one fantastic tip I can give you to help heal your shadow is if you catch yourself in judgment mode, consciously switch to observation mode. And that way you can stay connected to the person with empathy and compassion. It really must be hard to be that heavy. Wow, I can imagine how uncomfortable that is. Is a lot different than, look at that fat bastard over there. Jesus, what the hell is wrong with that person? And, you know, th- this is very important because as a therapist, I have been sitting at lunch with many of my students and heard comments like that come out of them. And right then and there, I said, let's work on that together because you don't realize how much you're hurting yourself by cutting yourself off from somebody, which based on true spirituality, true religion, and true uh, quantum physics is impossible to do. So remember, love is like a boomerang, and however you throw it out, it comes back. So once you have your notebook and your judgments for the day, 
then each night as part of your spiritual practice, sit and read the judgments you have of others or yourself, and then find that person within yourself. So in this case, find the overweight or the fat person in yourself. Most people's egos are too fragile and they're too childish to find the devils within themselves that they unconsciously project onto others. But in actual fact, about 95% of the time they're there. And it takes a lot of bravery. You know, for example, I can get real irritated at Bill Gates. And I used to get irritated at Donald Trump. And I used to get irritated at people that were so gullible they couldn't see behind his veneer. So I had to find Bill Gates inside of me. And that's not a fun exploration to do. I had to find Donald Trump inside of me. That was easier to find because I I can, you know, I'm an ex-paratrooper, boxer, kickboxer, ass-kicker, alpha male. So um, I could easily find that part of Donald Trump in me. Um, But finding Bill Gates, that's a tough one. But I do it. I go down there and look. And, you know, try to find Adolf Hitler in you. If you've made judgments of Adolf Hitler instead of observations, then guess what? You got to go find Adolf Hitler in you, or you're not mature enough to grow up yet and and heal and do real shadow work. And that's one of the problems we have in our culture is everybody else is just hoping to take a pill and be better or go to the jungle and do some ayahuasca and be enlightened. But (laughs) I got news for you. It ain't going to work. Believe me, it is not going to work. And going to the jungle and doing medicines or going anywhere and do really real good spiritual medicines properly conducted, you will meet the judge inside of you. You will meet the devil inside of you. And uh, boy, have I seen people get scared to death because they keep thinking the drug's doing it to them, but it ain't. It's The medicine is acting like a giant mirror and it reflects you back to you. So as an example, if so-and-so is a real asshole, then you got to find the real asshole within yourself and meet them. Ask them what their greatest fear is. What is their unmet need? When you seek to support the broken parts of yourself or the parts of you that are your parents or that you've had to repress for fear that they didn't show their ugly faces to others. In other words, if you have a real angry person, you have to repress them. Then you can learn to love them. And as you do, you begin to dissolve them in you. So the more love and attention an observation you give those broken parts of yourself, the more they lose power over you. Because every time you look at something in the unconscious, consciously, it changes. And And I could go in a long discussion of that. But having done a lot of this work with myself and countless patients and clients, I can tell you, the instant you look at the devil inside of you, that devil changes. And if you're looking at that devil with love, Every time you observe and pay attention and give love to the broken part of yourself we're calling the devil, it becomes less of a devil. Only then will you start to see God in everyone and see people for who and what they really are. And this is the beginning of real freedom, and it only comes with empathy and compassion for yourself and others. Now, I know a lot of the people that listen to my podcast are young people, 19, 20, 21, you know, I don't know what I would have thought if I heard this kind of talk when I was 19, 20, 21, because I was just 
hardcore martial artist ass kicker joined the 82nd airborne when i was 22 i believe so you know we have to be we have to have been beat up enough by life to start really saying okay i gotta i gotta take the reins here and figure out what's going on and this leads me to my next topic of discussion for today which is the issue of free will and many of my students in fact it happened this weekend at a workshop often study a lot and and ask me, Paul, is there such thing as free will? And some of them are very polarized in one direction or another. And the man that spoke to me this weekend was quite confident that there was no such thing as free will and was quoting a famous spiritual teacher that says there's no such thing as free will. So uh, not only did I give him my view of it of after a lot of study, but I gave him... Um, a very good book written by a quantum physicist called Henry Strap that gives very comprehensive quantum physics and mathematical analysis to show that indeed there is free will. And I gave him a summary of the math quite quickly and he looked at me with big eyes and goes, ah, I get it. <laughs> it's fun. So, the issue here is that there is and has been for a very long time a raging debate among psychologists, gurus, and even quantum physicists as to whether human beings have free will or not. So without going through many, many uh, years of research and, and uh, study on the topic, I'll just tell you that the truth is that we do not have free will until we do our shadow work and heal ourselves of our self-limiting unconscious programming. When you're unconscious of your programming, it guides and directs your life, and you are essentially like a biological robot acting out your parents and other programmers. And whenever something hurts, it's usually someone else's fault. And I'm sure you know the story, the victim, the saboteur, the prostitute, the eternal child, looking for someone to validate and take care of them. And it's an old story, and your life can quickly turn into Groundhog Day. So, in other words, it just keeps repeating itself, but it's eventually you realize, as I've said before, you, you, blaming it on someone else just doesn't help you grow. That's just like an old ticket that stops working. Only when you reach the point of being able to consciously witness the story go going on within yourself and ask yourself, is it really true? Is my dad really that bad of a guy? Did he really screw my life up? Is my mother that bad? Did she really screw my life up? Or what did my mother have to go through in her life? And did she do the best she could with the circumstances that she had? That's a more adult approach. And does it serve me to think, feel, or live this way? And then make the choice that's best for everybody involved. And and when you do that, you do have free will, but only to the degree that you can consciously rise above your programming. So what I mean by that is if you keep acting out your program and later go, God, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? You have no free will. But when you say, ah, I feel the urge to tell this person <laughs> they're a complete asshole or... Um, blame them for my problems 
and say, hmm, what would love do right now? And is it really true? And then if you act with what's really true and what love would do, then you now have free will. So I don't think you need a degree in depth psychology to look around you, particularly with what's going on in the world right now, to see all too clearly that indeed very few people have free will. And by the way, that makes them sitting ducks, highly profitable, and easy to control. So people that don't have free will because they're acting out their programming and continue to accept it by believing what they see on television and social media are the functional equivalent of a train heading for a cliff that cannot get off the tracks that it's on and the unconscious conductor can't see the tracks or the cliff. So in other words, people think they're free, but they don't even see the cliff they're heading straight for. Sound at all like what's going on today? ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people on tracks, believing in authority figures, heading for a cliff, and they don't see the tracks or the cliff. Yet all around them are people consciously trying to say, look at this research paper, look at what this scientist has to say, dot, dot, dot. But as many people know, you can't help people till they're ready for help. But when the pain teacher shows up, boy, I'll tell you what, it does a lot for your readiness and the pain teacher has been showing up with a vengeance lately. So as sad as it is to watch, you know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And if you try, it probably will drown you. You know, turmeric's really, really hot now. There's a lot of scientific research on it. But they're not all created the same. So I brought Autumn Smith on to tell you about Paleo Valley's turmeric complex so you know exactly what the benefits are and why you, like me, should get your turmeric complex from Paleo Valley. Autumn, tell us about your turmeric complex. At Paleo Valley, we are big believers in food as medicine. And so turmeric, of course, it has beat drugs out. We know it's anti-inflammatory. We know it has brain benefits. We know it has joint benefits. But what most people don't know is that a lot of turmeric supplements only contain one isolated compound of turmeric called curcumin. And so what we did instead was create a complex. We added organic turmeric and then ginger and rosemary and clove, which were some of the most DNA protective spices studied. And we created a complex. We added organic coconut powder and pepper for absorption. And so we've created a really high quality, highly bioavailable turmeric complex that will hopefully help you to feel your best. And all you have to do to check it out is go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K-15 to save 15%. So now let's jump to the principle of the two of my one, two, three, four formula, which is all about creating balance in your life. In Czech holistic lifestyle coaching uh, training, the two is symbolized by the Tai Chi symbol, the yin and yang in relationship. Yin, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, I'll give you a little education for those of you that are. Maybe it's a good time for review. Yin represents the female force, which has the qualities of emptiness, the ability to multiply power, 
and it draws things into itself. Now, I could give you a long list of qualities of yin, but my goal here is not to make the podcast too technical or long. In practical terms, yin correlates to coolness, moisture, consumption of nutritious food so that you have the resources to repair and grow your body, effective hydration, and getting adequate sleep to restore yourself. These are all called anabolic qualities, and they are linked to the parasympathetic nervous system. Anabolic is a medical term that means tissue restorative or tissue repair or tissue rebuilding. So anabolic is what we use to heal. If we don't have enough anabolic energy, we can't heal. Now, a way I teach my students to understand yin is I say, if you take a piece of bread and put it into a bowl with water in it, it'll draw the water into itself and swell until it reaches maximum saturation. And this is the nature of yin. It draws things into itself and expands from a center. When a female is pregnant, that sperm meets the egg and then those cells begin to divide and she draws nutrients into her womb from her own body to create the fetus and it grows until it must come out or die in the womb because there's just not enough room and it reaches the point where it must begin to breathe for itself. So once the child is born, it begins the yang cycle of its life and then death begins what we might refer to as the big yin cycle. Now, the complementary opposite yang is hot, dry, fire-like, active, and it divides power. So yin multiplies power, yang divides power. In the Czech Holistic Lifestyle Coaching System, yang correlates to the processes of breathing, thinking, and movement as a general theme. Now, if you want to get real technical, for example, working in is movement that's yin, but I'm dealing with these concepts as 98% of the population engages them. Yang energy is catabolic or tissue destructive. That's the complementary opposite of anabolic. So you break tissue down and you get sore from working hard or working out, for example. That's catabolic energy at work. Yang actions are linked to the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight-or-flight nervous system, or the consumptive nervous system, the spend nervous system, spend resources. To put the yin-yang relationship into context, if you take that soggy, swollen piece of bread out of the bowl of water and you toss it into a frying pan, which is yang, it will start steaming, then it'll start shrinking, and eventually it'll burn. Finally, you're going to end up with charcoal, which is both an earth element and yin. Yin can only become yang, and yang can only become yin. And round and round the universe goes, and all things in it follow these principles. These are the two primordial forces that create everything in existence. But the question is, where do these forces come from? And that's a question we should all be deeply interested in, unless our sense of curiosity and adventure has already died. I don't know about you, but I. whenever I learn something, it always leads to, well, how did that happen? Or, well, if that happens, then what happens next? Or what happened before that? Or when does this process actually begin? What's the source from which it emerges? 
So with that preface, I'd like to share an ancient Chinese creation myth that I have in my new book that I'm writing. It's one I've known for many years, and I found it so profound it was quite easy to memorize. And so I think you'll really get the point of what I'm talking about and why this relates to living your dreams, creating free will, and and really having the life you want. It also gives you a chance to grasp the incredible depth and power of myth. So, the ancient Chinese myth of creation goes like this. There is a dragon. The dragon's favorite hobby is to create universes. Each time the dragon breathes a new universe into existence, it is created out of two dragons, one called Yin and one called Yang. With the birth of each new universe, the dragon says to its children, the two of you can rest from managing your universe when you can get along with each other. <laughs> so, that was fairly quick. I'll read it to you again because if you haven't caught on yet, there's a lot going on, like an entire universe being created. So, the Chinese creation myth says there is a dragon. The dragon's favorite hobby is to create universes. Each time it breathes a new universe into existence, it is created out of two little dragons, one called Yin and one called Yang. With the birth of each new universe, the dragon says to its children, the two of you can rest from managing your universe when you can get along with each other. So now, what is this myth of creation telling us? The first thing it's telling us is that beyond the two forces of creation, which you haven't figured out yet are direct correlates with what we call mind, is the dragon. What is a dragon? A dragon is a mystical creature, and it has different meanings in different cultures, which should also alert you to the fact that there is no general consensus of agreement on what a dragon is. And this is exactly the issue of God. So the Chinese, aren't, they don't use that word God, at least not the ones that I've studied, but they do believe in the dragon. And we aren't any better at objectifying God. All you got to do is study the differences between religions and we are getting clear on what a dragon is. And that's why a myth is a myth. It's, you can't prove it but you can sure learn a lot from it. So the next thing the myth informs of us, us of is that we're each a universe created out of these two creative forces, the problem being that though they are essentially twins born at exactly the same time, they are just enough alike that one always have a deep sense of what the other is doing, but they're just different enough that one of them can be wrong at any time and therefore, there's just enough wrong to keep them spinning or entangled with each other, to use a quantum physics term. Now, in Buddhism, this concept is referred to as dukkha, or necessary imbalance, for without it, creation would cease to exist. There would be nothing to move it, and therefore, there would be no means of experience or life, which requires time. 
There's an old saying, why did God create time so that everything doesn't happen all at once? The reason the dragon tells its children that they can rest when they can get along is that once they're in harmony, they are no longer in mind. They're in a state of what a Zen master or Taoists call no mind. Now, to many Westerners, that seems very silly. How can anyone function without a mind? I've had many of my students say that to me, which makes me giggle. But the deeper truth that can only be comprehended as a lived experience is one that cannot be intellectualized but achieved, is that when one reaches no mind, they are one with the dragon, the ultimate creative force that gives life to all. And that is the source of existence itself. Another way to grasp no mind from a Western perspective is what is referred to as flow states, which is flow states are heavily discussed in an excellent book called Stealing Fire, how Silicon Valley, the Naval SEALs, and Maverick scientists are revolutionizing the way we live and work by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. And I just interviewed Jamie Wheel recently for my podcast, and it was a very potent podcast, probably the most intense podcast I've ever done. So if you have any experience of Jamie Wheel, you'll know he's full on and he's very deep and very well read and very intelligent. So look for that one. When we are in a flow state, there isn't any mental control. We're acting from an invisible center that executes with a level of perfection that is outside the capacity of the thinking ego mind. And the thinking ego is much too slow and cumbersome to process the amount of information um, you know, at the ego level than can be accounted for by the nervous system. In other words, if you look, for example, at a concert pianist, which there's a number of studies on that I've seen out there, I've got a couple in my library, there's no way using standard physiological data, such as the speed of conduction of the nervous system, that these concert pianists can hit the keys as fast as they do and in the sequences that they do because the simple fact is that the nervous system cannot conduct electricity to move the muscles that quickly. So I could get into a whole explanation of many of the cool things about how that happens, but suffice to say, when we enter flow states, um, or such as we, we can enter flow states, such as when dancing without self-evaluation or becoming one with the music, we can enter flow states when we are making love to someone that we can deeply harmonize with and trust enough to let go of any concerns about good or bad or right or wrong. Women often enter flow states when giving birth, warriors and martial artists when fully engaged in battle. We can enter flow states when doing rhythmic movements that are simple enough to subdue the ego, such as Qigong or Tai Chi, and it is specifically because Tai Chi is quite technical to master to the point of being able to let the mind go that I created the concept of working in and use the principles of Tai Chi and Qigong to underpin the simple movements that harmonize breathing and movement that you see in my uh, book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, which we call Working In Practices. And we can enter flow states when painting or doing arts and crafts to the degree that we can let the child out and let go of the judging ego. 
It's because we must let go of our ego to communicate with our soul that I teach soul connection and soul guidance practices to my students, patients, and clients. And when we are in a state of no mind, we are being guided by that for which there is no other, which is source or the dragon itself. When we reach no mind, we are one with the infinite creative intelligence that creates all that is, including ourselves. We become the circle that exists before mind, and that circle is beyond time and place. It is wholeness itself. When we can manage our universe and rest, we have maximum restoration of yin, and our creativity bursts forth, just as sound bursts forth bursts excuse me just as sound bursts forth from silence and the name of the sound that bursts forth from the ultimate silence is om this is the magical place we seek to create and sustain harmony with ourselves and each other and we all have plenty of reasons at this point in the evolution of man to do that and i don't think i need to elaborate on that and finally, when we can rest from the entangled state of yin-yang or ego-mind or intellect, we find something quite magical. There is nothing to manage because the dragon manages itself perfectly. The name for this in Taoist philosophy is wei-wu-wei, which means action without action. Or wei means action, wu means not way means action. So action, not action, or in English it's translated as action without action. And that, my friends, is a state of pure bliss. And I love being in that state. And I have many practices that get me there, from Tai Chi to Qigong to painting to rhythmic exercise to running to breathing exercises, to meditation. There's a lot of ways to do it. And they talk about a lot of them in Stealing Fire. Now we're going to talk about the four in the two. So there's four doctors, which we're going to get into here. But we're going to talk about the four as they relate to the principles of the two that we've just been discussing. Having studied a significant number of philosophies in my life, I found that there are four elements that must be present in any living philosophy if it is to offer both well-being and sustainability. These four aspects of a living philosophy are what I've encapsulated in my four-doctor concept. They represent the four key areas in which we need conscious awareness of how we are managing our dragons, yin and yang, which are Dr. Happiness, that means, what is happy making for me? It means, when and how often will I do these activities so that I take responsibility for maintaining happiness in my life? Additionally, in my four-doctor system, Dr. Happiness is the chief physician that's responsible for establishing values around the other three doctors or aspects of a living philosophy, which are doctor movement, doctor quiet, and doctor diet. <clears throat> In other words, doctor happy is responsible for us being clear what is happy making for us, 
But Dr. Happy is wise enough to know that if we're not moving our body effectively, eating effectively, or sleeping effectively, that even those happy-making activities won't keep us happy anymore because we'll be too out of balance to enjoy them, and we certainly are going to diminish our likelihood of getting into flow states because if the body is too undernourished or under-rested or in pain, it's very hard to get into flow states because flow states take you out in a sense of of the um, self-consciousness and you're in more of a, a bliss state. You still are very aware of your body, but you're also out of your body. It's sort of a magical experience. When we're living in balance, when our dragons are getting along, that is, there's little need for thinking or constantly having to solve problems or riddles in our life that we create largely by being unconscious of our choices and living out our programming. The no mind state is available to us when we live in the Tao or the middle path. The middle path stated simply means this, not too much, not too little. Not too much happy make making activities, or we forego other responsibilities and forget about the other three doctors. That doesn't mean that all aspects of your life can't be part of your happy making. It just means that we have uh, you know, a limited amount of time, and that if we're always playing games, singing, dancing, smoking pot, or enjoying our garden, or having passionate sex, uh, we're not going to get much else done, and that really um, isn't a balanced life, <laughs> as fun as it might sound, but some of you have had enough sex uh, in a short enough period of time to realize that it starts losing the love component and starts to get mechanical. So if you've had that experience, you know exactly what I mean. Young people that haven't got that much wisdom yet would fantasize that they could have sex all day long and be just happy, especially young men, but that's why I call them young, dumb, and full of cum. And I used to be one of them, so I can say that with honesty. Now, not too much exercise, but not too little to, you know, so that we stay healthy fit and capable of living our dreams or achieving our life or goals. So not too much exercise, not too little. Too much, you start breaking down. Too little, then you get weak and you start falling apart and you may not be strong enough to do what you love to do. Not too much food, not too little. Too much or too little food always comes with problems of one kind or another. Now, if you're on a specific fast and you're doing that for a reason, well, then that wouldn't be too little food. That would be exactly what your dream goal or objective is. That's why you're doing the fast. But <laughs> nobody can fast indefinitely or they'll die. We all know that. It's called starvation. Not too much rest, not too little. Too much or too little rest is yet another disruption of the yin-yang balance and leads to dragon fights within the universe of self. So what I've just outlined is, is the four principles or concepts of a living philosophy and some simple concepts about how to keep those in balance. Because if you don't keep those in balance, then you're running from problem to problem in your life. And then you start falling into your survival archetypes and becoming a victim, a saboteur, a prostitute. I have to do it for money, blah, blah, blah. And you don't grow. and 
you know, you know, if you're not growing and you're not doing your healing work and your growth work, then you really don't have any right to complain about much anything in the world because you're unconscious that you're part of the problem. Hi, everybody. I'm sure you've heard me talk about Dr. Quiet many times if you're listening to the podcast at all. And you've probably also heard me say that there's nothing more restorative than sleep. It is our most powerful anabolic agent, tissue restorative, mind restorative, and it's free. There's lots of reasons why some people can't get to sleep at night, such as electromagnetic pollution from routers, phones, and most any electrical device, or even power lines that are near your home. Consuming too much carbohydrate relative to fat and protein for your unique needs before bedtime also causes sleep disturbance. The consumption of stimulants in foods or drinks such as coffee and tea will stop you from sleeping well. The consumption of alcohol, which rapidly causes hyperglycemia followed by hypoglycemia and then elevates cortisol levels and inhibits melatonin, is another major blocker from restorative sleep. But one common reason is a lack of magnesium, the right kind of magnesium in the right amount. If you are magnesium deficient, then there's no better supplement than Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. It contains all seven essential forms of magnesium and no synthetic additives or preservatives. For the entire month of November, Bioptimizers are having a Black Friday, Cyber Monday blowout sale on their best-selling Magnesium Breakthrough. Get up to 25% off every order and get access to over $200 in free gifts, including books and more of their best products to sample. You can only get this exclusive deal through my link, so if you're ready to feel better, sleep better, and get your mind back to work for you instead of against you, go to magnesiumbreakthrough.com forward slash living4d. That's living, L-I-V-I-N-G, number four, little d. And on checkout, use the code living, number four, little d, to get your discount and your free gifts today. I use Bioptimizer's products because they've worked for me and everyone I know and everyone that uses them tells me they love them and I'm very confident they will work for you. Enjoy Magnesium Breakthrough and sleeping better. Next in my system of the 1, 2, 3, 4 is your three choices. There's really only three choices you can make in relationship to any person, place, or thing. The optimal choice is the one that's best for you and everyone involved on your dream team. This means all the people that support you in achieving and living your dreams and that um, are likely to be affected by the choices you make. So, you know, if you're an elite triathlete or a competitive triathlete and your wife cooks food for you and your normal routine is to... uh, you know, do your training in the morning and at lunch, but be home by six o'clock for dinner. But one night you decide to go out with your buddies and do some extra training or something, and you show up at eight o'clock. Your food's cold. You've been ignoring your texts because you've been playing like a teenager. Well, that's not an effective choice. And when you go home, chances are really good your wife's going to help you find your shadow. <laughs> and you may not get food next time. Next is the suboptimal choice. That's the one that's best for you, but usually causes problem on your dream team. So a suboptimal choice is one that maybe gives you instant gratification. That's the most common 
reason for suboptimal choices, but it can cause problems. So instead of hanging out with your buddies doing triathlon work, you might have went to the bar and had a few drinks, and the next thing you know, you get a little tipsy, lose track of time. So it was a suboptimal choice because it was best for you, but it wasn't best uh, for your wife, maybe, or your kids, because you didn't get to spend time with them and kiss them goodnight and tell them how much you love them, which I've got to do tonight myself here. Now, the third option of your three choices is to do nothing, which has multiple applications, which I'll take you through. And there's a positive application. There's a couple of positive applications of do nothing. One of them is do nothing when you need to gather more information to make an informed decision. So somebody tells you that there's a mandate that you have to do, but you don't know what's in it. And you don't know what the research is because it hasn't been done long enough. Then you don't usually run up and say, let me be your guinea pig. You say, I need to gather more information to make an informed decision. And that means looking at opinions on both sides, which means you have to be brave enough to look at viewpoints that can run countercurrent to your own belief or programming, but you can't think holistically and constructively if you just keep running to people with the same viewpoints because you'll just be lost and drunk together. And today that can really cost you, it can cost you everything. It can cost you something worse than death, which is a lifelong serious disability where you wish you were dead. Another positive application for do nothing is to disengage from arguments or disagreements when you can no longer stay connected at the heart with the other person. I call this calling a timeout, like when a basketball coach or a football coach sees their team is disorganized and they're running out of time. The timeout is to gather the team together, get their heads right, review the battle plan, and go back in with a clear head. But in this case, you want to call a timeout when you can't stay connected with someone at the heart, because if you go much further, you can damage relationships, and that's probably not the best idea. So you just simply say, I need to take a timeout. I'm having a hard time staying connected to you from the heart right now and I don't want to damage our relationships and I have enough love or respect for you to disengage right now and I really would love to be able to work through this with you in a way that's good for both of us and you walk away. Now, I'll warn you, some people will follow you and continue the fight because um, that's what their mom and dad taught them to do most likely. But it just gives you a chance to practice your spiritual development work. The final application of do nothing is the most damaging choice at all, and that is to be apathetic, which means not to care. And when we stop caring about our choices ourselves or the people in our life, you can pretty much rest assured we're already headed for the compost pile. So apathy is... Um, not healthy at all. I could go on a long discussion of apathy. So we've covered now the basics of my one, two, three, four approach. So you have your one love, which is your dream goal or objective, which you should qualify. The two forces of creation within you that we've talked about, yin and yang, 
the three choices you can make in any given situation, and four doctors as categories for awareness, which requires values to guide you. Remember, your yes has no value until you learn to say no. And if you don't have clearly stated values, conscious values, then you're likely to say yes when you should be saying no or no when you should be saying yes. And you will have a hard time figuring out why you can't accomplish your dream goals, objectives, or heal, or why you keep having problems in relationships or getting fired from uh, jobs and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And you can rest assured that to the degree you don't have conscious awareness of these four key things I've talked about with the one, the two, the three, the four, well, the pain teacher will come to upskill you. <laughs> and I'll admit, I had a lot of visits from the pain teacher. In some areas, I learned quick. If it's, uh, you know, anatomy or physiology or studying about other people's problems, I learned quick. But when it comes to grabbing the reins on mine, I've, I've been admittedly slow at times. And uh, it might sound like I know a lot, but remember, I'm 60, so I've had time to screw shit up. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I have. So I learned from it, though. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel good about talking to you right now. So the next thing we got to look at is the five in my system, and that's the five program design factors, because really my, my gift for you today is, you know, how to develop real health. And if you've listened to me and you went, oh, wow, I got to do that, or I really, I'm ready for some shadow work, or I got to get clear on my dream, or wow, I realize I haven't qualified my dream, or I haven't been setting goals scientifically. Maybe that's the problem. It means you're going to need to develop a program for yourself so you can apply this material that I've just shared with you. And uh, this is a good warm-up for those of you that want to enter the Czech Institute and become a specialist in corrective exercise or a highly skilled strength coach or trainer or a therapist that wants to uh, master their skills of exercise or join the Czech Academy and master holistic lifestyle coaching and the Czech practitioner material, which is mastering exercise assessments and uh, corrective work and all aspects of designing uh, exercise programs for athletes. Then this is a good review because you not only have to master these things, you're tested on them by very skilled instructors that you will not trick. That I can assure you. So the Czech program, uh, excuse me, the Czech Academy is a four-year program that's taught by my highly skilled instructors. And there is, as I said, hands-on testing. Holistic Lifestyle Coach uh, Level 2 is our first level of professional training. Uh, and the good news is a massive demand for holistic lifestyle coaches today for obvious reasons. And um, that program, as I mentioned earlier, is now online. It's beautifully done. And uh, it's taught largely by my wife, Angie Check, And she is a masterful teacher. I love watching her teach. She blows me away. She's a better teacher than I am, really. She takes my material and makes it even better. And so uh, you get also an, a lot of very in-depth training on the one, two, three, four system, which is 
uh, in HLC2, and then you go much deeper in Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 3, which is where you learn to deal with uh, more challenging clients. and You learn a lot of stuff that's too complex to teach in the beginning. So what I would like to close with today is helping you understand the five factors you must consider when developing your own life transformation program. For if you overlook one or more of these five program design factors, your chances of success diminish accordingly. And naturally, I don't think you or I wants that to happen. Your first five of the five program design factors is willingness. If your willingness is not at least a 7 out of 10, your dream is not well qualified or your motive for doing your program needs to be carefully evaluated. When there's a lack of willingness, most often there's a lack of meaning. That's what I've found. And without meaning, the life force energy just comes to a progressive halt. So qualifying your dream for inspiration, motivation, willingness, and its sense of meaning to you, how important it is to you. You've probably heard me say this before, but I like to quote psychologist Jerry Wesh. He says, when you have a big enough dream, you don't need a crisis. So if you've got a good dream and you have four doctors with values, you know how to manage yourself. You know when to say no and when to say yes. And that's one of the most important ways to avoid a crisis, or many of them. Our second factor is energy. It's very important to be realistic about how much energy you have to implement change in your life. Change takes a lot of energy. Our habits are often, almost always, unconscious, and they run very efficiently in the background, yet change is a conscious process. Conscious processes are very energy-consuming. The brain uses about 80% of the available blood sugar whenever it's engaged, which is why people walk out of tests, for example, feeling exhausted because their brain can literally exhaust their body. It can run you out of energy. When when we're learning a new habit, skill, or practice, the ego is also insecure because it knows it can't control the outcome. So a lot of extra processing goes on in an attempt for the ego to try to reassure safety and security. But as you know, but as we uh, learn to trust and embrace the change process, we become more efficient at it. I am much more efficient at change at 60 years old than I was at 50 or 40 or 30. And that's good because as you get older, you have less energy. So you got to be able to do things more efficiently. I got a two and a half year old and a five year old. Boy, they work me hard <laughs> and they work all of us hard. They can wipe us all out, but it's very fun. It is best to prioritize the imbalances that you desire to address so that your efforts uh, go to improving the doctor that needs the most attention from you. And in so doing the work to balance, you free the most energy to be used uh, and to enhance your vitality and stimulate creativity. So if you've got challenges in all four of your doctors, which a lot of people do, then look at yourself carefully and say, okay, which one of these doctor imbalances, if I addressed honestly and effectively, would free up the most energy to help me get through the other ones? And I can tell you, in my experience, it's almost always doctor quiet, which requires no money whatsoever. It just requires sleeping more. 
and letting your body recover. And there's a comprehensive section in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, that gives you a lot of tips on how to prepare your sleeping environment so that you do get to sleep better. Our next five program design factors is number three, that's finances. Some changes require that you spend money. If you're already financially taxed, then doing more than you can afford to do just puts you right back in the fire of yang again and usually leads to control fatigue, burnout, and non-compliance. So spending your money on making the most important change first is usually the most important because it gives you, as I said, more energy for the least amount. And as I said, most people, it's sleep or it's simply just needing to move their body and going for a walk doesn't cost anything. So there are simple ways to do this. And I've had countless cases of people that didn't have much time, energy, resources, or energy, um, but I was able to really help them with simple changes first. Next is time. Be realistic about how much time you can devote to your change process or balancing program. Too little time leads to little or no results, and overcommitment generally results in taking time away from other aspects of your life that are necessary to live a well-rounded life. You know, so if you are doing nothing but your program all the time, your relationships start to suffer. Or if you've got kids, then that causes problems there too. So it's it's um, time is very important. Remember, time cannot be managed. We all have 24 hours in a day. But time management really boils down to activity management, being more conscious about how you plan your day out and what you schedule for yourself. And finally, we have resource availability. If your uh, change or balance program requires resources, then you must be sure that you have access to them and that you can afford them. If not, your program's effectiveness is diminished or you just come to a halt. Sometimes one needs to be creative about acquiring resources. If you, for example, can't afford to purchase them, maybe you can rent or borrow them. I've had many cases where people didn't have access to equipment but they needed, but they knew someone that did that could lend it to them, whether it be a backswing, a stretching mat, a Swiss ball, or any number of things. So be creative, but be sure you consider what your resource needs are and weigh that reality um, in with all the above-mentioned factors, and I think you'll find you'll do much better overall. Okay, so now in closing, I'd like to share that there's a thousand things I could share with anyone to enhance their life, health, vitality, relationships, be they personal, professional uh, relationships, or their spiritual growth process. But I chose to share what I shared today because without addressing the one, two, three, four uh, formula, the factors that are related to that one, love, two forces, three choices, and four doctors of, of effective life assessment and program design, 
most anything else I could have shared with you today would have just been short-lived at best. In other words, I could tell you, use this supplement, do this, do that. But, uh, you know, coach, having worked with thousands of people in my career, I know for sure that does not work. So remember, one love, two forces, three choices, and four doctors build your dreams. A whole great spirit. Now, what you do for yourself, you do for the world. And the world needs us all to be living examples of health, vitality, and creativity right now. Remember, Einstein said you cannot solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. And we are in some world challenges right now that are no means by no means novel. We've, as human beings, are in the bad habit of repeating some of our ancestors' behaviors, such as war, such as abuse of each other, such as racial tensions, segregation. You know, it goes on and on and on. So right now, we really can do with a lot of creativity. And that also means we need vital people and healthy people to lead by example. So if you need help, feel free to go to the Czech Institute website, www.chekinstitute.com. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, there's a little section that's something like find a practitioner or find a practitioner near you. Um, if you need help, you can call the Czech Institute. The number's on the website. And uh, they can help you find somebody. A lot of our coaches, especially holistic lifestyle coaches, do coach people through things like Skype, FaceTime, or Zoom. So it can be very efficient. You don't have to travel a long ways. They can help you a lot. And believe me, when you get a proper assessment by somebody that's properly trained, they can dial in on what's really going on and where your biggest opportunity for growth and changes and how to do it efficiently. And um, we can all live and love more fully and uh, make the world more beautiful and, and uh, take this opportunity, you know, whenever a culture or a system is in a state of chaos, as Irvin Laszlo says, it's easy to change because it's already out of balance. So uh, not only is there a motive for change, but the stability is not there. So my dream today was to help you create real health. And I thank all of you for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed what I shared, and I can trust you. I've tested it very thoroughly, as have many thousands of Czech practitioners. There's probably oh, I don't know, twenty to 25,000 of them in the world now. So there's a lot of people that have gone through my training or, at, or are at some level in the training. So I'd like to say thank you for all of you, and uh, I send you all my love and my, my blessings. And uh, thank you for all the love you all share with me, uh, even if it's not in person, by listening to the podcast. I would like to say thank you to the sponsors of the podcast because they're amazing people and amazing companies and they make beautiful high quality products with sustainable practices and thank you for buying anything you buy from the sponsors because a little commission goes to me to help me be able to take the time off of work coaching people 
so that I can focus on creating the podcast and finding the guests and doing the research and all the stuff that goes into it. You'd be surprised how much work it is to run a podcast. It's not an easy deal. I've known many people to start podcasts and then just give up because it was just too much work. But uh, so whenever you buy anything from the sponsors, you're doing something great for yourself. You're doing something great for the world and you're supporting me so I can keep supporting you. And that is love, baby. So as I like to end the podcast, we are safe. We are home. We are whole. A whole great spirit. It is done. It is done. It is done. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check. If you enjoyed this episode, we recommend episodes 18, 20, 22, 24, and 26, featuring Paul's Evolve series, where he talks about how to evolve yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and how to evolve your career. Or check out episode 59 with Paul on ancient wisdom and reimagining your health and performance. Another episode to listen to is number 151, where Paul talks about the people who changed his life. You can follow Paul on Instagram at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and get your free subscription to Czech videos and more at the Czech Institute's new media site, chekiva.com. Remember, you can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Thank you.